I want to give a special greeting. We, um, Elizabeth just mentioned that we have all three of our, our rabbis here this morning. But, in, but I want to give a, a special greeting to, uh, to Rabbi Murray and to Rosie that we mentioned last week, that the Shabbat prior, that um, he lost his father, who of the ripe age of 94 years old, uh, you know, a long and a full life, and at times may be hard, but it was full. And so we greet you with the greeting that we always give to mourners. May God comfort you among those who mourn in Zion and in Jerusalem. So this morning, I want to take just a quick look at our Torah portion this week, Parashat Ekev. As we deal with this question of the food of complacency, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 12, we begin, Vahaya ekev tishmeun etamishmatim ha'ele. Because you are listening to these rulings, keeping and obeying them, Hashem your God will keep you with you the covenant of mercy that he swore to your ancestors. Midrashically, this second word that appears in the Torah portion, ekev, can also mean heal and can allude to the sort of mitzvot, the kind of commandments that people may regard as relatively unimportant so that they would tend to figuratively tread on them with their heels. You see the connection there? Like there's, it's a word play. The word ekev also means heal, but it can also mean because. And, and, or because you're listening, so this idea of, like, of the connection to the heel is like these are, tend to be the kinds of mitzvot that people just sort of tread on. They don't consider them as important as maybe they should. Thus, the Torah assures us that if we are careful to observe even these neglected mitzvot, then we can be certain that Hashem will reward us with his covenant of kindness, with his chesed. So how might this relate to Yeshua's instructions in Matthew 23, where he also deals with the idea of commandments that some might seem to feel are more important than others, but in reality are the minors, but are still important. And instead, focusing on the majors. Let's look at this. In Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe on your mint and your dill and your cumin, you have neglected the weightier matters of Torah, of justice, mercy, and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. Similar to the types of mitzvot in our Torah portion that some may regard as unimportant, Yeshua teaches us that no mitzvot are unimportant. However, we also learn that some mitzvot are weightier than others. What's interesting, what I love about this is often the way you hear Matthew 23 and other passages like this read, is like, look how terrible the scribes and the Pharisees are, right? Which is not what Yeshua is saying. He's saying, I love that you're focusing on a certain aspect and being so diligent that you're tithing on your dill, your mint, and your cumin, which, by the way, are not mentioned in the Torah. They're mentioned the first time we ever have a mention of these kinds of, these specific offerings of, the, of these tithes is in the Mishnah. So what Yeshua is saying is like he's not even dismissing that. He's saying you should be doing those things. However, your focus is wrong. You're putting too much emphasis on fulfilling the minors without focusing on the majors, right? Which is justice, 
mercy, and faithfulness. He says, but these things you should have done without neglecting the others. Similar to the types of these mitzvot, what do I mean by this? What are the details being discussed? And what are the weightier matters of Torah? And how might this apply to a Messianic Jewish approach to halakha? I wish we had more time to delve into this, but clearly in Yeshua's mind, weightier matters of the Torah are an emphasis on relationships. Whenever you, sh you see Yeshua interpreting halakha within the Torah, he always says all of the Torah is important, but the most important commandments are the ones that have to deal with our relationships with one another. Which leads us to the commandment of gratitude. The very next chapter, chapter 8, is all about food. It's a wonderful chapter. <laughs> because food is something that many of us enjoy and maybe a little too much. Regarding, uh, so if we're reading through our Torah portion and we're reading about food, I've been thinking about all of the great holiday dinners of Pesach and Rosh Hashanah, Thanksgiving, and others. There is nothing like that satiated feeling after an excellent meal when you feel like curling up on the floor and drifting off into a food coma, right? Everybody knows what I'm talking about. You know you had a really, really great meal when you have to like lie down on the floor and loosen up your belt a few notches, right? <laughs> and just, okay, I need to just relax here because that was so good and I am so full. But what spiritual lessons might the Torah be trying to teach us using the illustration of food? It says in chapter 8, verse 3, he humbled you, allowing you to become hungry, and then fed you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had ever known. Lama'an hodiecha, to make you understand that a person does not live on bread alone, but on everything that proceeds from the mouth of Hashem. So what is the manna that is being discussed here? In one sense, the Torah is talking about the literal manna from heaven. But there's something else that's going on here. According to the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the manna failed to provide satisfaction, and it only left people hungry. Hasidic thought explains that this was because being a food, most food actually leaves, uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to focus today and having a hard time to do that. <laughs> Hasidic thought explains that this was because being a food permeated by spirituality, manna gave people a taste of the infinite. When consuming finite food, a person will eventually become satisfied. Manna, on the other hand, cultivated a person's inner appetite for spirituality, which can never be satisfied. So this is what it means by bread alone. Human beings do not live on physical bread alone, but by God's power which went forth at the time of creation and which caused bread to, be, to come into existence. It is from this spiritual essence that human beings live because it is the food that provided nourishment for the soul. According to Rabbi Dr. J.H. Hertz, one of the former chief rabbis of Great Britain, physical food is not the only thing that ensures a person's existence. For a person has a soul as well as a body, and the needs of the spiritual life should not be neglected. The truth is of special importance in an age when, in so many countries, 
People are passionately declaring that a person can live by bread alone. Does anybody realize that when we say the hamotzi, when we say hamotzi lecha min haaretz, right, the blessing over bread, where you say, who brings forth bread from the earth. Last time I checked, bread does not come from the earth. The wheat and the things that you can make bread grow from the earth. But the idea is by saying hamotzi lechem, that bread comes from the earth, is this idea that we become partners with God. But really, without God, there would be no bread. So we are blessing God for the bread that comes from the earth that we have to do our part, but also recognizing that we do not live on bread alone. And that's why we bless God, the originator of our bread. So the question is, does Yeshua's use of the same verse change our understanding at all? Because we know that Yeshua quotes from this week's Torah portion in Matthew chapter 4 where he says, then the spirit led Yeshua up into the wilderness to be tempted by the adversary. After Yeshua had fasted for 40 days and nights, he was hungry. The tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, order these stones to become bread. But he answered, the Torah says, a person does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of Hashem. When our Messiah Yeshua was tempted in the wilderness, Instead of giving in to simple satisfaction, he countered the adversary with the exact words from this week's Torah portion. Because we do not live by bread alone, but on spiritual sustenance. Our tradition teaches us that we must constantly acknowledge that our food does not come from our own hands or abilities, ultimately. That is why the Torah goes on to state in verse 6, and you shall keep the commandments of Adonai your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For Adonai your God is bringing you into a good land. And then we skip to verse 10. And you shall eat and be satisfied and bless Hashem your God for the good land which he is giving you. It says you shall eat and be satisfied and then bless the Lord your God who gave you these things. It's interesting that according to the Torah, we bless God after we eat, although the, the common custom is to pray to God and bless the food before we eat, right? So both of those are true. However, the actual command where scripture says you should do these things is afterwards. And in fact, there's a discussion in the Talmud that says, Tanu Rabbanan, that the rabbis taught, Minayin libirkat hamazon min ha-Torah. Where is the command? to recite Birkat Hamazon, derived from the Torah. And it's in Shne'emar, as it says, and, you should, and it says, you shall eat and be satisfied, and then bless the Lord your God who gave you these things. From this verse, we learn that Judaism places the emphasis on blessing God after we eat. Thus, it is a mitzvah de oraita. It's a command directly from the Torah to bench Birkat Hamazon after we eat, to bless God after we eat. Moses links the command to bless God after we have eaten to God's provision of manna from heaven. The manna was a spiritual sustenance that the rabbis recognized nourished the soul as well as the body. According to the Lubavitcher Rebbe, in truth, however, Moses' words are applicable now as well because it is not the physical efforts of working the land alone that, cause, that causes the land to yield produce. Rather, 
It's man's efforts merely create a vehicle into which God places his blessings, and it is the divine blessing which provides us with the sustenance. Therefore, even the food which grows from the ground is in fact food from heaven. When we are without food, we cry out to God like our ancestors did in the wilderness, wondering why God has abandoned us. But often we kvetch and complain without faith in God's provision. And yet when God does bring nourishment into our lives, whether physically or spiritually, we only stop momentarily to thank Hashem before wolfing down our food. And then again, falling quickly back into complacency. But Judaism teaches that in all things we must bless Hashem. It's easy to do so when we are happy, like when we are full and content after a wonderful meal. However, the Torah teaches us that although we are commanded to enjoy the finer things in life, we should remember that there are even finer spiritual delicacies as well. And that's what many people have forgotten. When our natural tendency is to slip off into a food coma, the Torah instructs us to acknowledge God after we have eaten so that even in our satisfaction, we give thanks to our provider. This reminds us that our true life source is not physical food alone or the work of our own hands, but Hashem, the creator of all things. As we daily eat and are satisfied, let us not forget that it is not by bread alone that we live. When those times in our lives arise when it is easier to just slip into a food coma, let us overcome those moments and use them as a vehicle for blessing. We do not live on bread alone, but rather on the, that which comes from heaven. When you are alone and hurting, that is the time to remember that you do not survive on bread. When you feel lost and broken, remember our sustenance is from heaven. When you do not know how you are going to pay rent, pay for groceries, or how to survive on the mere salary you are making, we can trust that God will provide. If you feel like you are drowning at work, underappreciated and overlooked, remember our nourishment comes directly from God alone. If you feel like your family is falling apart, that God has abandoned you, or you're in the most difficult desert of your life, God is still feeding you. We may not always feel God's presence, sense God's direction, or we may even not even be certain anymore of God's existence, which is why the Torah reminds us of what really sustains us. We cannot always trust our feelings, and reality is not always what is tangible. But we do not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of Hashem. If you feel spiritually malnourished and emotionally and physically spent, it's time to eat from the presence of God. If you are hungry for more of Hashem and what his plans are for you, it's time to eat with faith. I've been really thinking about this today, and that's maybe why I'm having a hard time focusing on the sermon is because as we're moving into the high holidays, I really want to challenge us to not go through the motions of another high holiday season. Because I've been thinking about that. If we're just going to go through the motions, and yet it's another year, it's all the same service, it's a lot of work. I only want to do it if it's going to mean something. I know from God's end it means something, and that's why we're supposed to show up. 
I mentioned that before last week that the, in our cycle of readings, that you might be wondering why are we reading from the resurrection when we're far away from the end of Passover, right? But if you remember, the way that our cycle from the Brit Hadashah works is it falls in line not with, it doesn't line up with the Torah readings, it lines up with the calendar. And so while we were just celebrating Tisha B'Av, remembering the, the, the horrible catastrophes that have befallen the, the Jewish people, at this time we're also talking about the, the destruction of Yeshua, that temple. And now we're after Tisha B'Av, we're in this seven weeks between Tisha B'Av and Rosh Hashanah where uh, the readings have to do with the seven messages of comfort, the seven messages of reconciliation, that this is the time we're also reading about that hope and that reconciliation through Yeshua. I want us to feel the rhythms of the calendar. I want you to get a sense of the seasons in which we are in. Scripture says you'll know by the times and the seasons what is going on in the heavenly realms. So how seriously are we paying attention? How seriously are we really listening into and delving deep into those things? Because our nourishment, as much as we want to place it in the world around us, it doesn't come from the world. It comes from God alone. So if you are here this morning and in need of more of God, it's time to eat and be satisfied and then bless the one who continually provides. Rabono Shalom, master of the universe. On this Shabbat, I pray that you would help us deeply understand the times and the seasons and the message that you're speaking to us. And may we feel that our, the ultimate source of everything that exists comes from you, the father of lights. It's so easy to want to trust in the things around us, in what is tangible, what is seen. But that yet the ultimate source is from that which is unseen, which requires faith. So I pray God is in this season as we are leading up to the high holidays. We just announced, announced the month of Elul, which is the preparation month before the high holidays, that God, you would use this time to, to strengthen our faith, that you would move within us and do your work so that no, not only we can be faithful as individuals, but that you would do great things with us as a community so that we can affect our people, the world, the community in which we live, to continue doing the works of Hashem and prepare the world for the return of Messiah. We pray all of this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. So let's rise.